welcome back to this, the 41st episode of the Startwell podcast. This time I'm joined in studio uh, on King Street West in downtown Toronto here at Startwell um, by the illustrious <laughs> co-founders or two of the co-founders. We'll hear the larger story of how the company came to be uh, of Carbon6, which is a member company here at Startwell. Their offices are resident um, at Startwell's campus on King Street West. And uh, let's just jump into it. So here I am sat with Nassim Saluji. Saluji, yeah. Saluji and Kazi Ahmed. Hi. Guys, it's a pleasure to have you in studio. Thank you for joining me. Oh, pleasure to be here. Yeah, right great on. to be here. Um, I know that Carbon 6 has been kind of in stealth mode, and uh, I want to hear how it got into stealth mode to start off with. What is Carbon 6? Or I should say, let's start at the beginning. What was Carbon 6 when you guys started like figuring out what you wanted to do to create this company and who is you guys anyway how did you come to how did you come together and what your interest in the topic matter is it's yeah curious yeah. to me you want to start yeah go for it uh so yeah maybe i'll, I'll get started um so nasim and i know each other uh, almost a decade at this point and uh you know we went to business school together um, oh. coming out of business school you know we were doing different things starting <laughs> different companies you know but we always wanted to you know work on something together at some point but okay. We were trying to figure out what. Um, about a year ago, um, I was exiting my last business, which was uh, a roll-up of mental health clinics. Um, and one of the lead investors there is actually our third co-founder who's not here today because he's, he's based out of the U.S. and Puerto Rico. Uh, he was actually an investor in that business. Um, oh, okay. And as that business was exiting, we were starting to have conversations about what next, et cetera, et cetera. And this idea of Carbon-6 was noodling around on his head. And, you know, I'll go into what, uh, a little bit about what Carbon-6 is. Yeah. Um, you know, he, there's a lot of people uh, who, who are trying to sell online, right? Like on Marketplace, on Amazon, on Walmart, on Shopify. Um, and, you know, people sometimes think it's pretty easy to sell mm -hmm. online, but it's actually pretty difficult. If you you know talk to a number of successful sellers, yeah. they're using anywhere between eight to fifteen different tools to run their business. Um, you know the same way any of us use you know DocuSign and DocSend and Zoom, et cetera, et cetera, to run a business. Mm -hmm. Imagine a whole suite of tools to help run a f run your business. Right. And you know Justin had been talking to some some folks in his neighborhood who were successful Amazon sellers, and. Like literally in his residential neighborhood. In his residential <laughs> okay. neighborhood, like literally on, in the pool. <laughs> like uh, his, ki his kids are swimming with their kids and he's like chatting with them That's by the funny. pool. Yeah. And yeah. trying to understand what is this sort of new world of e-commerce and what makes the people who are in this like nice neighborhood like successful versus, you know, the 10 million people who will try selling online. Well, there you go. Year. That's interesting. Yeah. You're talking to a guy in a pool. About yeah. how we bought the pool. Exactly. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So these guys are sitting there talking about their frustrations being, you know, probably also removed from where the merchandise handling is and whatever other logistical concerns that they have. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, the uh, the logistical, I mean, that's, it's, a whole, it's an actual business. Like you're running an actual business. Um, but, uh, you know, what, as he talked to them, what differentiated sort of these successful sellers versus... All the people who you know, I want to try a side hustle selling something online and you know maybe make a go off it and, and don't succeed is that they they use a number of tools and have the right support systems mm -hmm. to grow their business. Um, 
But what became clear in those conversations was there's a lot of different tools out there that all do certain things really, really well, but nothing that sort of helps unify, um, you know, give unify sort of the support system for the seller. Okay. Um, at the same time, something very interesting was happening in, in the Amazon space and in the marketplace in general, uh, where there were these aggregators that were buying these one-off Amazon brands. So there's an Amazon brand selling umbrellas. There's this other brand selling shoes. There's right. this other brand. And these aggregators came along that were buying up a lot of these so, sort of smaller businesses and putting them together. So the, the question came to Justin's head, like if, if that's happening in the online marketplace for the on, online marketplace brands, who's doing it for the softwares, softwares and services? Because mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense that you come, you come to a company such as Carbon6, and obviously it wasn't named uh, at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a suite of tools for you to improve your vi- business versus trying to find a tool everywhere else. And so as uh, you know, that idea started germinating in his head, he and I started talking as I, as I was leaving my last business and um, you know, saw, saw sort of a, a super interesting space that we wanted to dive into. And that's essentially how Carbon6 got born. Um, next step, I, I, I started talking to Nassim, and mm-hmm. yeah, maybe you can talk about that. That's, yeah, Alex, I, I, was, I was building another business at the time, um, a biotech company, and I'm not a, a biotech leader. So right. the, the idea was I had a, a passion for, in particular, neuroscience and the applications of psychedelics and, you know, uh, can, can go down that rabbit hole some other sure, time. Sure, sure. It's another I'm podcast. Not a, I'm not a, <laughs> another podcast altogether, but I'm not a biotech leader, right? Yeah. So uh, I was there setting up a business, hiring in a management team who would ultimately take it over. Um, I was super excited at what the guys were doing, but I said, like, I, like, I obviously don't have time to help right now, but as mm-hmm. soon as I can jump in, I will, and uh, invested some money. And, so, and literally as soon as I could, I, I jumped on board, and we've been building it together ever since. So what's, uh, and Nassim, what were you doing before this company? Uh, so a bunch. I guess we can go through our backgrounds. Sure. Um, so, like in the days since you were in B school together. In the days since B school, uh, so I was a consultant at McKinsey for a while before and after. Okay. Um, and then spent my last number of years building startups. So, uh, was head of revenue at a company called Top Hat here in Toronto. Right. Yeah. Of course, you might know them. Um, so, uh, ed tech company. We grew it over the course of my time there to reach about 80% of the largest thousand universities mm-hmm. uh, in North America. Okay. Um, kind of the startup of the year, so we did pretty well there. Um, have set up a couple of other businesses since. Um, Wait, so you know Dave? David Sevit? Yeah, I know Dave Sevit. Right Good on. Dude. He's okay. actually been around here quite a bit. Yeah, with Shopify now. Yeah. Uh, I know Dave from McGill, and mm-hmm. he, he plays jazz. He's a jazz <laughs> pianist. <laughs> really good dude. And so, yeah, small world, because yeah. he was telling me about Top Hat, and I was yeah. like, hey, I know Mike. Sort of, kind of, <laughs> and anyway, I was like, I didn't realize Top Hat was such a big business. Mm-hmm. It's a reasonably big business, I guess. Like, we were always very people heavy um, for our uh, for our size of company because um, we just needed a big kind of distribution engine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And back in the day, so, it's, but the time when I left, we were about four hundred ish people, and since then, the company has conducted a couple acquisitions, so it's a little bit bigger than that. Right. Yeah. Nice. So software stuff, but always like sticking to this kind of like, how do you grow? How do you solve problems as an organization? That kind of thing, um, right? Um, business side of things. Liking to play in the early stages, so kind of set up and scale up 
type of phases versus like once a business is, you know, being optimized. Um, kind of prefer the early stage stuff when there's, um, you know, an idea forming and, yeah, and you know, it's exciting and it's not just about kind of stick handling HR issues. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. And so, nice. And then that's your customer base now, or that will be your customer base at carbon six, right? So all these companies trying to like scale and grow and exactly. that's exciting. And, and that's kind of what attracted us all this model, right? When we, we talked to the entrepreneur, like they have the same problems that we do, right? Like they're, they're people that are out there trying to make it in the world in mm-hmm. one way or another whether it's putting food on the table for their families or achieving financial freedom, quitting the nine to five or, you know, building something that can really help them make a go of things in a big way. Yeah. There's always a common set of problems, right? A common set of problems at every stage of the journey. Mm-hmm. But then there's a common set of problems that startups face when that like no entrepreneur wants to be dealing with inventory management. Right. No right. one. <laughs> like it's yeah, just, ergo it's drop shipping, right? <laughs> and then the drop shipping causes its own problems where people are like, hey, I can start an instant business. Right. And then yeah. they're like, but I don't know how to run a business. Or, yeah. or oh. the drop shipper stopped selling that product. And what do I do? Like, no, no, yeah. Like, no entrepreneur starts their business with the dream of doing like the finance and the tax at the end of the year. Oh, yeah. Or like, you know, like talking with lawyers or like, you know, if your drop shipper stops, how do you do customer returns? Like, oh, yeah. You know, those, these are problems everyone faces and all of us have faced before. Um, but yeah, like the, the, that completely resonated as we started talking to talking to people in the community. Yeah. And uh, OK, so then you guys got together. You liked the idea. You kind of like product tested it or pre beta it with, you know, conceptually with some uh, some sellers from day one. And well, well, we weren't actually building a product, right? So that's that's the different thing. Okay, here. this is this is where it gets interesting. Yeah. This is the twist, people. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the the market maybe it's worth kind of giving you a bit of an overview of the market. So it's about a half a trillion dollars of sales that happens through Amazon's marketplace, right? So it's the lar- largest driver of its revenue, one of yeah. the two largest drivers of its profitability. It's a, it's a massive thing, right? And close to seventy percent of the money that comes into the Amazon marketplace comes from private sellers. Mm-hmm. So people selling myriad different products, right? Um, now these sellers, which we didn't know, uh, use between eight and fifteen different tools to help them manage their businesses. Sure. And there've been a bunch of brand aggregators who've been buying up sellers, putting right. them together into kind of bigger enterprises, mm-hmm. um, like we, Amazon itself. Uh, in some ways, in some ways, Amazon I would say, is that kind of a brand like play? Launch their own brands and compete, yeah. whereas yeah. like companies like Thrasio or Perch or Heyday or SellerX, they're they're going out and buying individual brands, helping them scale, basically oh, okay. becoming a bigger house of brands, so right. kind of model, right? Um, so we hadn't seen people doing this or many doing this in the software space, and when you look at the market for software that sells to these folks, it's highly fragmented, right? So you're talking specific tools designed for Amazon sellers. Yeah. So so imagine a tool. So let's say I, let's say I'm a seller who sells mugs. Sure. On Amazon. Yeah. Right. Um, there's a thousand other sellers of mugs on Amazon. How do I succeed? I need to figure out what people are searching for when they're looking for mugs. So I do keyword research. Mm-hmm. There's a tool that helps me do keyword research. I need to realize and figure out are mugs the best things to sell on Amazon or do I have a lot of competition? So I want to do product research. That's a tool for mm-hmm. product research. Mm-hmm. Now I have a product that I want to sell. Um, I need when someone searches mug or coffee mug, I want to be in the first page, not in the fifth page. 
how do I get on the first page? I must have the right sort of keywords and the right listing and the right kind of content on the listing, mm -hmm. the best kind of pictures, because that's what tells Amazon's algorithm that, you know, this is a good listing, put it at the top. So you need listing quality optimization, you need content creation and a whole bunch of other um, things to make your listing stand out. Sure. You need to pay Amazon uh, what for pay-per-click, saying when someone searches for yes. co black coffee mug, yeah. put me as a sponsored product. And you need tools to help optimize it. How much do I want to bid for this keyword versus that keyword? Right. You need a tool to optimize your spend on Google so that when someone ser searches for coffee mug Amazon, it shows your page and people when people... so. On and on and on and on and on. Gets expensive There's, and gets takes expensive. a lot of resources to, to focus on how to best position your products. And, and, and exactly. And imagine doing all of that mm -hmm. without any tools where you are trying to figure out by going to Amazon.com, figuring out what keywords are the right one. Figure out how much money you should spend, like, all of that, that's yeah. why there's these tools that exist to help automate that. It's funny because we're sitting here now, I've never sold anything on Amazon, but like I would consider myself a bit of a e-com OG <laughs> in that in 98, when eBay was what, right. new that year? I don't know, 98, 99? Early, yeah, early I was least, one of the yeah. first people on eBay and I was selling, I would go to Steve's Music Shop uh, in Montreal down yeah, the yeah. road from, from where I lived at, you know, when I went to McGill, I'd buy foreign instruments and tablas and, and <laughs> calabash things and yeah. all this maracas and stuff and i would sell it on ebay to there people in like texas that didn't have funky instrument stores in their neighborhoods there and i made go. a tidy business <laughs> there you uh, go you know yeah. doing ecom 100 and it's so funny to, to hear what you're saying because in all these years since like 20 years plus i haven't thought about the fact that amazon essentially is kind of like a microcosmic you know, Google slash the web. Yeah. So, so you, you want to hear a crazy statistic? Yeah. I think uh, we, we learned this recently. Mm -hmm. I think 60 or 65% of product searches in North America mm. actually happen on Amazon. So when people are looking to search something, they, they go, go to, to Amazon, Amazon and search first. For it. first. That's very interesting because with all the work that Google's been doing to float e-com up in the last couple of years, yeah, it's still just fighting for relevance, I guess, yeah. in a way. Yeah. So, I mean, Google by far wins in the sort of the discovery phase still. Like, okay, you know, what is it that you want? You're like trying to understand a category, et cetera, et cetera. When, when someone's saying, you know, I want to buy a pen, yeah. uh, nearly half of those searches, people are going to Amazon first and searching for pen versus Google. Yeah. I would assume that, yeah, your average seller, especially in North America or in any kind of like Amazon Prime um, service area in the world, you know, frequent users of Amazon are going to use Amazon for market research, you know, like just guessing, like, what kind of TVs are there? Forget about buying. I'll buy it later, maybe. But mm -hmm. just for market research, kind for of, sure. or consumer research, they're probably going to go to the market. Right? It's like walking down to the store and taking a look. They'll they'll do that, too, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and But especially at the bottom of the funnel, where you're made, ready to make a purchase decision. Sure. Then you're going into Amazon, you know, more than half the time. Which is is a great business for them, obviously, because that their pay per click is just that much more valuable. Because if I'm searching for that black coffee mug, mm -hmm. then chances are I'm going to go buy a, a black coffee mug and so maybe something else too. Um, I think what would be interesting for me and also for our audience is to learn a little bit because you guys know all this stuff very well. You know the Amazon ecosystem very well. Um, give us a sense of how 
the world's manufacturers and you know customer facing brands at large that do sell online how they are um intent upon you know improving their presence on amazon or what their relationships generally are i know this is like a meta question but like you think of a lot of these we started with this it's kind of like etsy mom and pop question of like you know someone gets a store and then they have all these issues and they want to like sell and they're buying their freedom and they're escaping their job but on the flip side, your large corporate, you know, CPG company, mm-hmm. um, <coughs> and you see this massive access to market open yep. up. Um, so w- what's what's the range of type of seller and how applicable are, are these tools you see a need for to that range? Huge range, right? So uh, the, ma- the large enterprise is increasingly looking to go online. So when you look at agencies that are working with and supporting them, it's been a a massive growth business over the last number of years and the agencies that are supporting these large corporations are booming, doubling, tripling in size every year. The corps are using a number of different software sets and tools mm-hmm. and there are companies out there that are helping them go multi-channel as well, right? So kind of go across multiple different marketplaces. So that's definitely a piece. When we think about the seller journey, it it ranges everywhere from the newbie seller who wants to sell online, typically an entrepreneur or wannabe entrepreneur, sure, right, who wants sure. to get out there and sell, through to somebody who's started making sales and has kind of a business, mm-hmm. somebody who's made a six-figure kind of selling business, which means chances are at a 20% margin, you, it's, a, it's a side business for most, mm-hmm. right? To scaling it up a little bit more to a point where it could become a full-time thing, to being an aggregator or being a large enterprise that sells large volume, all the way through to those who are coming into the market, like the PNGs of the world, the Unilevers, who are selling mass product. Right. Yeah. Um, so when we look at our business, we're focused primarily on the entrepreneur. So we don't look at the the large enterprise. Uh, we'll serve the aggregator of brands, right? But we're we're looking primarily at that entrepreneur who is trying to figure out how to be successful, or has a brand already, or has a business already, mm-hmm. and wants to scale it. And uh, in that market, there's a few different kind of places, a few different subsectors. One is private label, which is the largest subsector. These are people who have or have launched their own brands or are seeking to launch their own brands. This could be like, you know, Kasim's mugs, right? Yeah. Could be the could could be his bug, his his brand. The merch by Amazon space is a much smaller new space, but one that we, you know, have a presence in where uh, this is like people with print on demand. So like there's some kind of cool trend or design or if it's like it's christmas time everybody wants a christmas shirt sure or like it's a drop shipping idea right it's kind kind of kind of it's like i'll give you an example when um you know let's go brandon was a trending who Uh, let's go let's go brandon man i'm so out of touch i'm out of touch with the memes in the world if you're like a canadian or a democrat you probably don't know it (laughs) i'm in dad mode i'm in full dad mode this is like huge seller yeah okay uh yeah look it up i mean it's uh it it was it, it was a trending um line in the u.s what when, when, end of last year yeah end of last year so like th- this was where like this guy brandon kind of won this massive race and then the, the crowd starts cheering f joe biden okay f joe biden so they're, they're they're yelling this very loudly and the commentator comes up to the dude who's brandon and says <laughs> they're they're cheering your name they're saying let's go brandon when, when the crowd is not saying that right at all. right um so that became a like big viral viral meme. Um, okay. And so all these T-shirts popped up saying "Let's go, Brandon," etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What it was was you know people weren't manufacturing T-shirts. People were coming up with cool designs, and then putting it on what's called merch by Amazon, mm-hmm. which is like a 
basically a print-on-demand service that they have. Sure. I actually don't even have it here in Canada. Um, but you go to Amazon.com or actually one of these sort of, you know, uh, there's a few other print-on-demand platforms mm-hmm. like that out there and mm-hmm. say, I Printful. want a... Printful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want a Let's Go Brandon t-shirt. And all these designs come up. Yeah. And I want this one. So Amazon actually prints prints it for you and ships it to you and charges you money and gives a royalty to the the entrepreneur mm-hmm. who came up with the design. So that's one of the verticals, for yeah. example, that, that we okay. serve. Okay. And, and this is an interesting one. It's, it's small, right? But it's growing fast. And ultimately, when Amazon sets its mind to winning a category, it it finds a way to win. Mm-hmm. And so we that's one that we see growing quite a bit over the, the next few years. Another one that's always been there um, through the e-commerce journey across platforms has been wholesale, right? And right. so... We have, a, we have a business supporting wholesalers as well, as well as an arbitrage business. So people who kind of find things cheaper somewhere else and kind of resell them and take advantage of those cost arbitrage opportunities. So we have mm-hmm. products that serve all of those different verticals, but really targeted on that entrepreneur, um, wherever the entrepreneur is in the journey. Okay, so you're, you're, you you um, let's jump into this idea of kind of like you don't have a software development team or you didn't start that way. You started looking for these tools to aggregate them to essentially buy them to create a holistic offering, right? Mm-hmm. Um, tell me, as a business model, what was forming on paper before you bought your first, you know, uh, Amazon seller service company or software company? Yeah, so I, what was forming on paper was really understanding what, what Nassim just described. Sure. Like, what is the seller journey and what are the different verticals in the space? Yeah. And understanding that, you know, when people think about selling on Amazon, like the largest space is this private label, like, you know, Kasim's mugs or sure. Kazi's iPhone cases, et cetera. Um, but, and, and while that is the biggest place, that is actually, you know, getting more and more competitive to win at. Um, you need more capital to start. You know, if you probably shouldn't start sell, trying to start a business on Amazon doing that yeah, unless you have a certain amount of money. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you need to budget for buying inventory. You need to budget for it being shipped from wherever you're getting it from. You need to budget for it being in storage. you got to sure. budget for, like, PPC ads. So there may be other areas you want to start off. Like, you want to, you maybe you want to start in Merch by Amazon because there's actually zero cost to start. You just have to be, you know, understand what designs are trending. Yeah, and it's like just market testing with no collateral damage collateral. on your exactly. wallet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Arbitrage requires very little zero. capital to start. Wholesale doesn't take much capital. So there's all these ways to get started in your journey. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you could then keep just doing that as a side hustle. Or after you, you know, make some money and sort of, you know, sink your teeth into e-commerce, then, okay, you started with merch, but you're now making some money. Maybe you start getting to wholesale or arbitrage. Mm-hmm. Or once you sort of sunk your teeth into, you know, you're doing wholesale and arbitrage, you know how to do sourcing, you need to do like some finance, then you're ready to make the investment to go into private label. Sort of understanding these segments and how they play with each other was sort of the starting point. Sure. And so a lot of the tools we bought in the beginning were really around sort of the new seller, like the merch by Amazon space, the wholesale space, the arbitrage space, and a couple of private label tools as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, Going back to your question about what was on paper, it was starting to understand what the seller journey is and what the different verticals are and what their needs are and finding essentially best-in-class tools for those. 
and starting to put that together mm-hmm. uh, with an initial focus on sort of the early seller mm-hmm. and then start getting into uh, the rest. So similarly, I mean, have you defined a kind of a profile of the uh, of the entrepreneur or the company that would start the companies that you're acquiring? For sure. Like, Are they sellers trying to improve their journey? By and large, yes. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. So in the vast majority of cases, they're sellers. And so Amazon opened up its APIs to developers a few years ago, right, to, to start building on the Amazon marketplace. The, there wasn't really much capability to do this previously. And so over the past few years, particularly the past five years, you've seen this mass emergence of software supporting Amazon sellers with different stages of their journeys. But these softwares are typically relatively subscale. So huh. you've got Kasim, the entrepreneur, who already has his mug business, and he has his t-shirt business, and he's also doing some other kind of some other online business, and he's realized that he has a problem with with dashboards and visualization because he went around and looked around, he didn't like any of the ways that anybody else was visualizing their data, mm-hmm. so he built a new data platform, and he built this new data platform, and he got a few kind of customers on board, and he grew the thing to to being half a million dollars or a million dollars in revenue, mm-hmm. and now. He's like, well, where do I go? So I've got this data platform. I've got my mugs business. Yeah, it's like, oh shit, now I have to support software development. It did everything I needed, but my customers need five times more stuff. What do I do? Do I kill it? Do I sell it? Who do I sell it to? Do I grow it? Yeah. Exactly. And and these entrepreneurs are facing these decisions. Mm -hmm. And there isn't really a market to buy Kasim's company, software company company in a meaningful way, right? right? Like, there definitely wasn't when we started, and now people are starting to hear about it, and so we're hearing some of the, the wolves circling. But at the beginning, there wasn't really anybody doing that. Yeah. And Kasim obviously had needs, and we obviously had huge potential for us to be able to grow that tool in a multiple in multiple different ways, right? Sure. Because a lot of these entrepreneurs, they're just, it's themselves plus some software developers. They're not marketing their businesses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're not thinking about, these are the 10 different marketing channels I can use, and this is going to be the best one for my business. They're not thinking, okay, I've got this dashboard solution. I also have a, a pay-per-click solution that can be optimized and integrate with my dashboard solution. Oh yeah. I'm also thinking about how to manage my inventory. I'm also thinking about XYZ. And then they're not thinking about the cross-sell opportunity between their platform and other platforms. Oh, I see how like, yeah, coming in as an umbrella, you know, for all of these different things, for the people you're trying to acquire or partner with, for the software makes sense. The value prop makes sense. For the customer, um, are, I guess, is the initial approach to market going to be a bundled service package? Because I'm guessing these are all disparate softwares. Like, So stitching them together and re-engineering them will take some time uh, to create like the ERP solution for <laughs> Amazon sellers. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's where, that that is definitely the plan and the path. I mean, we are still offering the softwares sort of individually. We did our first bundle like last month as we emerged out of stealth in in Prosper. So we have have the Prosper bundle with four of our tools together. What is Prosper? So, yeah. Prosper is a large industry trade event. Okay. It's the the event for the Amazon seller in North America. Mm. And... So for us, it was our coming out party. It was our coming out of stealth party. So this was when you went to Vegas. This was when we went to Vegas. <laughs> that's right. You guys were excited about that trip. Right. I remember we never talked afterwards. Yeah. So that's that's because whatever happens in Vegas stays, stays in Vegas. In Vegas. <laughs> we can't talk about that here. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, man. Like 
we we came out in full force. So we we sponsored the opening pool party of this event. Wow. We sponsored a couple of other events there. We got the kind of sickest booth at the event so that people would come out and they'd say, well, who are these Carbon 6 guys? Mm-hmm. Nobody heard of Carbon 6. But yeah, because you the, had to rustle the bushes to be able to find the, the companies to totally. be customers, but also to be a, a acquisition targets, right? Mm-hmm. And coming into this event, you know, we'd already talked to a number of the software companies. We already bought 11 going on 12 different tools. Oh, wow, okay. Um, and we'd already started networking our way through the influencer community. But on mass, there were still a ton of people in that influencer community and in the senior seller community who'd never heard of us. Mm. And so this was an opportunity for us before coming out in a big way publicly. Like, you know, you've seen no press release about us yet or anything like that mm-hmm. um, to come out publicly within the community. And so we got this beautiful booth. We came with an army of 15 or 17 of us and, you know, came out and just had a lot of fun. Nice. And the idea of it was, you know, market the Prosper Bundle, sure. Um, and also just start connecting with companies that could be great partners with us. Because when we think about companies to potentially acquire, mm-hmm. we're not really thinking about them as acquisitions. We're thinking about them as partners. Okay. We've, you know, designed kind of a, at least started speaking, you know, building out our roadmap in terms of what we want to buy, build or partner. Um, and most of the time we're saying, okay, well, we have a need here. And you as the entrepreneur want something else, right? And it may be a, an exit or partial exit, which is what you know they inevitably come for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's also to be part of something big, something exciting, something that could change the industry and change the community. Because you know, if, if what you do is e-commerce and you're a seller and you're a software builder, like who would turn down the opportunity to be part of building something special together? And so that's the vibe we're going for. It's to build Makes a big sense. tent and, yeah. and build, bring the community together. Yeah, I think, um, you know, eighty percent, if not higher, of the founders of the tools we've bought have actually joined Carbon Six team. Yeah, they're like excited, excited, and you know, uh, Nasim and the and the um, marketing team came up with sort of you know our tagline, um, you know, ent- entrepreneur entrepreneurs should do what they love, we do the rest. Yeah. Um, which I think is actually a hey man, that's my tag. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is actually a perfect tagline for us because it it works in both directions. It's it is what we are trying to do for the seller, the Amazon seller, the marketplace seller, someone who's in the future looking to sell on Walmart, wherever. Yeah, you know, do what you love. We provide you with the tools and services that you need for everything else. Mm-hmm. But it sits just as true for you know the companies we acquire or we partner with. Because, you know, the biggest reason some of these founders would want to sell their company is because of everything, you know, all of us have gone through. Like, right. we we start a business because we lo- fall in love with the idea of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's taxes to do and talking to oh, lawyers so much. and yeah, HR this and payroll that. And, you know, it, it, it adds up. Um, what we are partnering with the software founders on is let's get you back to doing what it is that you love, which is, you know, thinking about your product, thinking about your customer, thinking about like talking to your customer, like whatever it is that you love doing, Mm -hmm. we take care of everything else. Like we have our centralized back office. We have our centralized marketing. We have our centralized customer support. Um, Let us take care of all of that. And you actually join us and sort of become part of this big team that's, that's putting together something special in the industry, in the industry. Super exciting. So what uh, I guess there's a Series A that's closed, or 
Yeah, but we are not announcing not it announcing quite yet, yet, but yes. <laughs> but it's but, closed. But that's part of the idea, right? <laughs> yeah. Is to, to raise some capital, keep raising some capital to keep growing the network of, exactly. of tools and services. That's right. That's super exciting. Yeah. Um, you might not be able to talk about, you know, the actual finances that went into the pool for that yet, but are you finding interest that's global um, for this play and to support Carbon6? Very much so. That's and exciting. So our investor pool is coming from countries around the world, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, the lead VC that the, that invested in us um, has a global network. So they have offices all around the world, and they've actually backed companies in the e-commerce space in other parts of the world where there are, are big synergies for us and potential collaborations as exciting. we think about expansion to other markets. So that's really exciting to us, and that's one of the reasons that we're excited about going with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, for us, we see an opportunity to raise a, a lot of capital um, because you know, it's it's a it's not a pure play VC strategy. It's a VC strategy where we can drive significant growth out of our assets, but there's also you know cash flowing companies that we're buying, mm-hmm. and so there's an opportunity to layer on venture debt and think about you know bigger opportunities for financing as well. Absolutely, no. I mean, there's so many opportunities to lever this almost platform software play. Because uh, if all goes well, which it sounds like it's already going well, you, you know, the, the race to ubiquity is kind of there. Um, that's super exciting. The Tell me, I, I, you know, I think we'll, we'll do a second session. That'll be the follow-up to this part that digs into the product, digs into the kind of like what uh, maybe a seller experience is working with your tools um, paired with someone on your team that can explain the tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be really fun. We could do an yeah. interactive session for the podcast. For sure. uh, but... I'll leave it with, uh, or this discussion today, with a question about um, being based in Toronto. So if you're sourcing of capital to support Carbon6, you know, is global, and obviously the Amazon seller network is global, and I'm sure you're finding software opportunities to acquire a partner with that are all over the world. Um, What does Toronto mean to Carbon6 and being based in Canada mean? Well, it's home, right? And uh, it's like... You know, like we're—I guess the two of us are both the Canadian story in different ways, right? Like I was—I was born and raised here, but the child of immigrants who came here for a better opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I actually have a kind of an interesting story. Um, <laughs> so I—I I grew up. Um, I was born in Bangladesh. I grew up in in Bangkok. Um, I actually, and then came for undergrad for you know to the U.S. for the first time. Uh, that's the first time I'd been to North America. Um, after graduating undergrad, I actually got a job in the U.S. and I was probably going to stay in the U.S. Um, but after about a year there, I actually didn't get my um, work visa because yeah. it was a lottery system there. Oh my god! And then um, at that point, my company was kind enough to say, "Okay, we'll we'll send you to Canada for a year." We're the backup plan. <laughs> Go Canada! Yeah. So then I, I moved to Toronto for what was supposed to be a year. Um, Fell in love with the city. Mm-hmm. Um, fell in love with the girl there, who then in the future became my wife. Um, and Mazel then, well, yeah. And then over time, you know, I went back to the U.S. for business school. Then, you know, instead of staying in the U.S., decided to come back. So, you know, Toronto has become sort of a, you know, a, is, is a home for me now. And through that journey, I've sort of seen the growth of Canada and Toronto in terms of, you know, attracting people from all over the world mm-hmm. and um, the the community and the the tech talent it's been been bringing on has been super super impressive. Um, so you know when trying to build a company like this, you know, uh, 
Carbon Six is an American company, and our found, like Justin, I mentioned, is American. Right, it's there. Um, but both of us are here, and we're looking to build a big team here in Toronto. Yeah. Um, and you know what excites us is sort of the vibrancy of the city yeah. and and where it's going. And, and Toronto's our core, like operational hub. So other than Justin, um, we we just brought on board a COO who starts on Monday. Um, I probably shouldn't announce his name yet because he. Uh, I don't think he's changed his LinkedIn or anything. Like that. <laughs> okay. so we'll let him let him make his announcement first. Let him tell his former but, employer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, somebody I'm close with from a, a past life. Um, and we've been kind of building our core, uh, kind of some of our core leadership team here. So the, the way that the team has grown is, you know, we have people that we've acquired through that are all over the world, right? Um, and we have a couple of dev teams in different countries. Sure. But our core brain trust, a lot of our core brain trust is going to be built in Toronto. We're going to think about this as our head office. That's exciting. Yeah. At Startwell. Uh-huh. There you go. Building here at Startwell. Yeah. Brilliant. We're we're uh you know yesterday I think it was yesterday or day before I was I was in the same studio here uh with uh some leadership from TechTO right which is like Canada's largest yeah, yeah. tech community yep. and uh and we were talking about kind of like the state of the industry and the fact that uh TechTO's been around for 10 years and within that period the growth of the uh software industry here in Canada has just been exponential and their own community now being 50,000 subscribers is just indicative of the fact that um, kind of it feels like right place, right time in Toronto right now anyway. And the mm-hmm. next decade is kind of what we were postulating about uh, and how that exponentiality is not going to stop. I don't think anyone in the sector believes that, that, that you know, yeah. things are going to slow down. Um, so it's a super exciting time to be building a company, I think, like yours here. Uh, and the next, the next few mm-hmm. years are going to be even more exciting. That's right. Sure. Awesome, guys. Well, it was really nice spending some time uh, to dig into Carbon 6 at this exciting juncture in your startup story. It's early on, but you've accomplished so much. Uh, how many tools are in the portfolio now? 12? 12, 12 companies acquired. I Next guess we week, say it'll be 15. Tools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. it's growing. It's growing. It's growing fast. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the growth so far. It's so it's awesome fun. to see the team grow as well here on campus. And uh, yeah. We're excited. To, I'm excited to do a follow up to dig into the actualities of kind of what the seller experience is. So we'll line up that second session with some other uh, members of your team. Awesome. Sounds good. And uh, thanks again for joining me in studio. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Thanks so much, man. All right. Thank you. Okay.